It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are with Robert Malone and Dr. Mickey Willis <laughs> on Thursday, October 5th, 2023 at 3.06 p.m. Eastern Time. I don't need to introduce you all. I think everyone knows who you are. Um, So going over your film again, Mickey, just to jump into it, or excuse me, Dr. Uh, Plandemic 3. So I, I, I was trying to formulate, you know, I meditate before every show, and I was trying to, I was trying to formulate how to kick this off. And for everybody listening, the link to the movie is in the description. The link to Dr. Malone's uh, Twitter and his Substack are also in the description. As of a week ago, I am uh, banned from Twitter, so I am not oh, in there. So sorry. Yeah, it, whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't care. Twitter, iTunes, Reddit, YouTube. I. I it's whatever. Um, really, if I could boil it down, is it comes down to the debate of, is this yet again the end of history? And it made me think of the quote by Lord Kelvin. Of there's nothing in 1900, there's nothing new to be discovered in physics. All that remains is more and more precise measurement, which is obviously bullshit. We look at Woodrow Wilson, I'm reading a book on him right now, saying that as we're going into World War One, uh, this will not end, this will drag on for a minimum of three centuries, maybe four or five. We look at Eisenhower, we look at Truman in 1950, Korea invading, I guess, South Korea. This is turning into World War Three. We look at, you know, the global war on terror. This will never end. Time and time again, it looks as if it's the end of history. And I talked about this yesterday with some friends. It's also very egocentric. To th- I'm I'm at the end. I know there's been World War One or World War Two, but Tommy Kerrigan, this is this is it. You're on the front line. It's very convenient for our own narrative that this is the end. So. So as not to come at it from the same angles that it has been tackled, it's it's bio warfare. It's a this one's different because it has AI and and social control and fifteen minute cities and Klaus Schwab's an evil villain. Are we actually at the end, or is this just another iteration of measure countermeasure? And on a more philosophical level, is this just are we like like the moon and the the Earth pulling on each other? and keeping their cores active is this just an eternal battle we're at and because because it's your film dr willis could you maybe comment on that i think we're always at the end of something i think that's just a process of life and uh you know this is the apocalypse in that it is the lifting of the veil the revealing of truth and what's really going on 
But this idea that we're always at the end times, in my life, I've already lived through four or five in, in, end of the worlds. And so the thing that we make the mistake with most commonly is that we we judge our present moment from the past. And so I'll tell you a, a quick little story. I've shared this on one of the podcasts. I hope it's not this one, um, although that was would have been a year ago. So people have forgotten me by, by now, I'm sure. Um, in uh, 2008, I saw a black and white vintage IBM ad. And it was an illustration of a woman in a home motioning towards an open doorway. <clears throat> and beyond that doorway was a floor to ceiling, wall to wall, massive computer system that one that you might see in, at in a NASA facility. And it was a warning to homeowners that they one day would be inventing something called the personal computer, which was unthinkable at that moment that we'd have computers in our home. But it was a warning to homeowners that they must prepare and add on a master size bedroom to house these personal computers. And it made perfect sense to the biggest brains in computer technology at the moment that if you wanted something to actually be usable, it would have to be that size because everything of that era, every engine, everything got much larger as it became powerful enough to be useful. They didn't know that quant that um, that technology would be shifting in such a way that things would get smaller as it became more powerful, that we'd have terabytes of power on the head of a needle. There was nothing to indicate back then that that would be the trend. It would it would be reversed, and we'd have nanotechnology. And so I think it's it's dangerous for us sometimes to. I always tell people, well, it depends on where you're looking from. If you're looking from the past and you're analyzing this moment, um, no wonder history continues to repeat itself. But if we take a look at our history and understand that we have invented so many things that make today much different than they were in the past. What Mao Zedong did in the 60s to capture over 1 billion citizens into a structure of that lives today as communism, uh, rolled over by the Communist Party of China, uh, probably wouldn't have been possible had those citizens, those billion very wise and disciplined Chinese citizens had the ability to communicate with each other. But the fact that they had one, two, maybe three state-sponsored media channels with no internet, no ability to get messages to each other except for, you know, in the, in the, in the quiet of night in the dark shadows of their own homes where they still weren't safe because there were always spies and, and people hired to rat them out. There was very little communication that would save them uh, and inform them of what was coming. But as we've all seen today, we have ways to alert each other, to share information, which is one of the many reasons we have to fight like tooth and nail to preserve our freedoms through the digital technologies that we've created that allow us to communicate with, with each other worldwide. So there is absolutely the end of something happening. There's a perhaps the the death of who we thought we were, mm. the death of slavery, the death of indentured servitude to the state. Um, but we have some work to do before, before that's going to be realized. And it's some serious work and it's some hard work and things will get 
worse between now and then. I'm certain of that. I think we're all certain of that. Um, but uh, what I see because of the inventions and innovations that we have brought to the forefront that allow us to communicate is this one's going to be much different mm. and ultimately, ultimately lean in our favor. Dr. Malone. Well, that was profound. I think I'm going to have to uh, go, go have a, uh, a shot of rye right now um, uh, to recover from that. Uh, are we at end times? There's certainly a lot of the members of uh, communities of faith that I encounter routinely these days that are convinced that's the case uh, and uh, convinced uh, that uh, much of this has been prophesized, uh, convinced that uh, we are living through a colossal battle of good and evil that they uh, frame in the context of uh, the end times and the great battle uh, between heaven and hell, uh, Lucifer and God. I think that one of the things that contributes to the sense of uh, existential crisis, which is really what you're talking about, existential crisis being a crisis of a belief that uh, you are going to die, civilization is going to die, the world as you know it is going to die. All of these things can be bundled as uh, existential crisis experience. Is that um, we have had very active weaponization of a series of uh, ostensible uh, existential crises. The COVID crisis was framed as a mass casualty event with a 3.4% case fatality rate. We should expect the hospitals to be full. We should expect uh, people dying on the streets. Uh, we should expect uh, mass graves. Uh, we should expect the need for National Guard and the military to maintain social order. Uh, and uh, and the government might as well get to it uh, and get those things going now because they're going to need them later. Uh, and by the government, of course, I'm referring to uh, many of the Western governments, uh, certainly Canada, um, New Zealand, Australia, uh, and Austria, um, Germany is a strong case could be made. Um, uh, um, less overtly uh, of, uh, physical authoritarianism in the in the UK, but certainly profound uh, weaponization of, of modern psychology against the populace. And then you know, interspersed with uh, another uh, existential crisis involving infectious disease that was. Uh, uh, the kindest word would be war game modeled almost precisely a year before that being monkeypox. Uh, you know, if, if uh, Mickey now wants to do pandemic eight, uh, he could go <laughs> over uh, the monkeypox outbreak and, and uh, have a good time with that. Um, uh, and, uh, and then we have the existential crisis of climate change. Uh, which obviously is going to be an earth ending event and we will all be dis extinct unless we uh, take the measures that uh, the, uh, I'll just say it, the overlords, the World Economic Forum, uh, you know, all the way up through the food chain of the uh, Bank of International Settlements, et cetera, um, unless we get on board with their prescriptions for how we avoid 
the outcome of a mass die-off, um, which paradoxically exists in resonance in some way. You're talking about resonance a moment ago, uh, with with uh, the agenda of the need to control and uh, reduce world population to, depending on who you're talking to, is it 350 million? 500. Or, or the uh, um, uh, document from uh, that is that is current U.S. policy, known as the Kissinger Report, that uh, capped global population as U.S. policy at eight billion. Um, you know, so it's somewhere between there and and uh, so that's that's the paradox is they're telling us we're all going to die from climate change, but then there are those that are saying that's a good thing, um, but they're not saying it publicly. <laughs> uh, so so we're all being bombarded with these rotating messages of existential crisis pretty much all the time. It's great. It sells CNN slots. It sells advertising. It sells newspapers. It elects politicians. It justifies uh, bizarre economic policies. It uh, supports Agenda 2030. It supports this uh, trade union of the 100 largest companies in the world, or is it 1,000, uh, called the World Economic Forum. And their uh, interests, it, it supports the interests of BlackRock State Street, um, uh, um, Vanguard. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's weaponized against us in a constant stream of fear. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, that uh, is, has created a populace that um, I'm going to say those words that are prohibited now. I've been so ridiculed for talking about it. Mass formation. Um, uh, the work of uh, Matthias Desmond. Uh, which is really just a 21st century update of the work of Hannah Arendt uh, and Yus uh, Malur and, and uh, all the way back to Sigmund Freud and before that, all the way back to Plato and, and the cave. Uh, so uh, we have this uh, weaponization of, of fear and crisis coming at us uh, almost continuously because, hey, it's good business. Uh, and... Um, uh, it's no wonder that the general populace is reeling from this. I mean, if if I could, if I was uh, Tinkerbell and I could just wave my little wand, uh, don't go too far with that metaphor, please. Um, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, I think I think you're cuter than Tinkerbell. Oh, you're so kind. And I just got my hair cut yesterday. <laughs> um, uh, so 
my my one wish right now would be they would just stop with the fear. Just let us alone. Uh, you know, let us live our lives. Uh, don't bombard us with fear all the time. Think about how pleasant life would be if you weren't being constantly bombarded with fear messages. So this it's it seems to me that this uh, emergent uh, um, consensus or or if not consensus um, uh, strong plurality of belief in end times and uh, impending catastrophe is uh, the logical product of uh, the behavior and messaging that we've been subjected to and, and this incredible power of modern propaganda, um, the, the literally, and I've, I've run this to ground, uh, um, the current Secretary of Defense signed off in 2010 when he was at Fort Bragg on the PSYOPs or CYWAR manual for the Department of Defense, which says outright that uh, the DOD can deploy their CYWAR capabilities that they've built for offshore combat against domestic populations in the event of a, a national crisis, which this is. And we know that it's been deployed by the UK, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, and it certainly appears that it's been deployed by the United States. So, so we have all of, in, and then then we have the reveals from uh, Biden. I'm sorry, uh, Missouri versus Biden, sure. uh, the Twitter files, uh, the Facebook files. We we know that our government has weaponized uh, incredibly powerful algorithmic technology against the citizenry, against its own citizens, under the belief system that uh, any discussion or debate uh, that is contrary to the approved narrative must be stopped, uh, that we should only be allowed to think that which the government allows us to think. And this is the the existential crisis that I think is real. And, and uh, uh, let me just back up and give you context. I was uh, broadcasting to Great Britain News uh, with Neil Oliver, who's a personal hero, and and what a what a warrior he is, uh, so eloquent uh, with that brogue that he's got. Um, but uh, in the BBC now, on on GB News and other stations, GB News now is scared uh, silly because one of its broadcasters got run out by the censorship board that the British government imposes on all broadcasters. And uh, so then when that happened, the whole bunch of them just got afraid of their own shadows. Uh, and so now what they do is if you go on a broadcast and you're gonna talk about a controversial subject like say COVID uh, and the government's response to COVID, uh, then they will have uh, somebody basically representing the official narrative on the show at the same time, and there has to be a counterpoint. So back and forth, I say tomato, he says tomato, and we go back and forth. Um, and in this case, I started talking about uh, the censorship and propaganda and fifth gen warfare being deployed and the nudge technology and the 77th Brigade in the UK. And the counterpoint was, well, here in Britain, uh, what we have is elections, and after an election, the government operates for you know period of time, four years, let's say, um, uh, representing the people, uh, and uh, it it acquires by virtue of the election the authority of the people to govern, 
And therefore, the government can do whatever it wants, um, basically. It doesn't have to go back and monitor what the will of the people is. Uh, it's the, governor, the government's right to act in whatever way it wants. And it hit me, this is another one of those bricks to the head moment, that if such a government decides that it's acceptable to deploy these advanced cyber technologies, fifth gen warfare on their own populace, which are designed and now powered with modern media to control everything that you think, see, believe, encounter, feel, um, manipulate them if you go, if you interact with social media at all mm -hmm. or corporate media. Um, if that happens, the the next election becomes moot. You're you no longer have free agency. You no longer have sovereignty. These technologies are specifically like like neurolinguistic programming. They're specifically designed to control what you think, believe, and feel. So after you know, four years of, deploy, you know, having a free hand to deploy these technologies, the idea of individuals participating in some sort of a democratic process uh, to uh, objectively evaluate government policies and options and outcomes and make an informed decision is completely irrelevant. It's gone. And that's the end time that I'm most concerned about because we seem to be just galloping towards that. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's the existential crisis, is the loss of the ability to think. The killing of the mind, as Malheur spoke of, is uh, just on steroids right now. And we all know it and feel it. Anybody that read Brave New World in 1984, An Animal Farm, et cetera, gets it. Um, if they have you know, half a brain and a conscience, uh, and so we've been warned about this uh, for years and years and years, and here it is, a near and present danger, and the danger is those that control media information, all channels of, of uh, data and information, and mine everything that we do to weaponize it against ourselves. Uh, that's, that's the one that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about... Uh, Russian hypersonic uh, nuclear tip missiles hitting uh, Northern Virginia. Um, uh, I'm worried about uh, the loss of the ability to think and process and access actual accurate information um, by the general populace and the impact of that on uh, the electoral process, which we've all placed our faith in mm -hmm. as the cornerstone of uh, our representative democracy or, or whatever you want to call it. Mm. <laughs> loss of loss of the ability or loss of the necessity as, <clears throat> as the, the warrior poet. And by that, I mean the, the fat comedian, Tim Dillon says to look through the lens of uh, liberalism or conservatism is simply the shirking of independent thought. You do not need to look as, as, some people might say I'm a paranoid schizophrenic. I like to think that it's uh, I'm an independent thinker, but I've I've been able to vote in four elections and I've voted left, right, left, right, because my mind changes as I get older, as I, I would hope I get less dumb. But to look through the thing of, uh, you know, vote blue no matter who or, you know, vote red till you're dead. You're very simply just I don't need to think it's the Republican said it or the Democrat said it. You don't. 
you're just dropping it. You don't need to think. It's just it, it is what it is. It's they're against Nazis or they're against commies and just and it's very convenient. I get it. I mean, I'm living in a city for the first time in my life. I have probably ordered more food in the last six months than I have in the previous three decades. Even if it's healthy food, it's like like I could go to could go to the store and get some eggs or or just have it delivered. I don't have to do anything. So that's kind of what gets me is the loss of necessity to do something because we all should do things. We don't I work out every day. I have since two thousand three. You're just enjoying life in a 15 minute city. There you go. I am. And I love my overlords and I, and, and I do. So, so kind of twisting from that note and we'll, and we'll go back to Dr. Willis is what you talked about was um, when people see the, the fat pudgy soft American sees the riots in the cities. And the only was, what would you say? The, the only light at night is the flicker of the fires and they won't want to approach the guerrilla armies. You're using this, not you, the communists are using this idea of of you don't want to approach this thing that you're unaware of. And then when you look at, I don't know, um, Eisenhower and Patton, uh, Patton from World War One, and Eisenhower didn't get to go. But these are guys that are familiar with war. As soon as World War One was over, they didn't come home and go, oh, the, the Great War is over. It's It's almost kind of funny how within months they were getting ready for the next world war. They didn't know when it was coming, but they were getting uh, ready for the next one. And then when world war two ended, they were getting ready for the next one. And it's this idea of, of we're all terrified of the thing we don't know, but these masters look at it and go, this one's over for now, but it's going to keep coming. Right. And then you go, well, how can we make that even more esoteric, even more niche? And it's medicine. Right. That you have to have a special lawyer to to get a malpractice suit because it's so if you are. I, I mean, I remember I remember studying organic chemistry and, uh, you know, I'd help friends that were doing you know less well in it. And I would just think, like, if I was a bad person, I could I could fuck so many people with this, just like even just out of money for being a tutor, because I was doing very well in this class that no one else understood. So it's almost the logical end state of the idea of, you know, fearing the the grill armies, fearing the war. How do you get, I mean, other than quantum physics, I can't imagine anything more esoteric than medicine. How else do you scare every one of the unknown, including generals, including an Eisenhower or a Patton if they're alive today? And you come out and you go, oh, this, you know, this COVID thing, this spike protein, you're not going to, you, man, you can't even imagine it. And you have a doctor that goes up and other doctors, if they come out and you point it out, they'll make it clear. But you look at a Fauci, I mean, you don't know what to do. You have the biggest, toughest guy. And they'll look at a doctor explaining some, you know, rare cancer and they'll be at their knees. I mean, one of my good friends is former tier one special forces and his wife's fighting cancer. You have this guy that has told me stories about looking at Noriega through crosshairs. And here he is and going like, I don't know what to do with this. So Dr. Willis. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is this simply a case of they're trying to use the most concentrated form of confusion of, of what is this, you know? Again, you look at me, I fired a gun five times in my life. I see a war coming. I'm like, it's fucked. We're over. You have Eisenhower and he's just, you know, kind of like, find your balls. Let's move forward. Is this the natural end state of what they're going for? The most, it's medicine. It's the, it's the, it's the modern high priest of you can't understand this. Like you dumb pleb. Like, this is, this is a virus. You have to submit. Is that simply what they're doing? And follow up, if that's the case, is that is there a silver lining? Because they're relying so much, they're relying so much on on you being confused that that's clearly not real power. They're going, you you can't you can't. How do you get a kid to behave? You're like, Santa's not going to bring you his presents, man. You're a kid. You're like, fuck. I'm not going to get the train. I don't know what to do. Yes. Absolutely. There's a, I, I want to start by saying there's a silver lining in everything. Yeah. Everything. I mean, just think about the life that we've led already, even at your young age. You can, I, I will bet big money, you can look back on some of the things that you, when you were going through them, they were the biggest tragedies of the moment of mm-hmm. your life. And you can look back at those and realize what you learned that in their own mysterious way, they, it was a blessing. The death of my brother and my mom within a month apart, mm-hmm. I always say there's two greatest gifts my mom ever gave me was my life and her death. Mm. Dealing with the loss of my mother at in my early 20s, my mom was my absolute best friend, my rock in life, uh, left me in a place of greater strength than I ever thought I could be in because I, de- I had dealt with my greatest fear, which was losing my mom. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's, you know, and then I was at the World Trade Center, 9-11, picked up, did you know, picked up body parts for three days. And it was a massive spiritual awakening for me. One of the most horrific things that any human could experience, you know, just outside of combat, but it was very similar. You know, it was, it was, it was as horrific as you could imagine, you know, to walk down the street and say, that's a hand, Mm. put it in the bag, you know, here's a crushed person under a car, let's pull them out. And, uh, but that situation prepared me to do the work that I'm doing today. And so it's all preparation and uh, and it's all absolutely meant to keep us in a state of cognitive dissonance, in a state of confusion, because we know what happens scientifically when we're not in a in a clear state of thinking, is we resort to the fight or flight, and we the choices that we make, are not from the full capacity of our 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 highest intelligence and so then we end up being more susceptible to following the leader 
to following, looking for some, somebody, please tell me where to go, what to do. And I'll, 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 whoever has the most charisma or is on my side or whatever it might be, I'm going to just go with what, where you tell me to go. And it's a very dangerous thing. That's what leads us into this thing called collectivism, which is also what leads us into what, uh, Robert Malone spoke about mass formation. It's a real thing. It's mass hypnosis. You know, let's just call it what it is. It is mass hypnosis. It is when a large groups of people um, succumb to the group think and override their own individual intelligence. But there's something also benevolent at the core of that. And that is our intrinsic desire to be connected, our intrinsic desire to lead a meaningful life, all rest within the cradle of the, of, of collectivism. So our society has been set up in such a way that very few people are, are leading a fulfilling life. How many people do you know that are just doing their dream job and deeply in love with their spouse and in a, in a powerful, wonderful relationship with their children? Um, I would raise my hand too, you know, but what brought me into this was also standing up for what I know is right. And everyone that I've met, like Robert Malone, who have made that very difficult decision to go against the grain and face all the discomfort and slander and pain, quite frankly, that comes with being an outcast of the, of the uh, uh, unspoken, global, globally chosen narrative. Um, the other side of that is what has us both raise our hand to say, our lives have become miracles in every single way. There's a force working within my life now that I can't articulate. And I, and I think it's ineffable. I won't even try to articulate. All I know is, is that there's, I, I, I thought I knew what miracles were before, but something's happening in my life now that, um, that I, I, I can't explain. All I know is when I stay true, when I stay true to myself, when I stay true to my word and to others, and I remove myself, um, to a certain degree, I want to be careful that I'm not suggesting that we remove ourselves to the degree that it just brings us back into a state of collectivism, because there is that rule of when the oxygen mask falls, you put it on yourself, you're, you can't help anyone until you have, you've taken care of yourself. But at that point, when you're taken care of, how much of your daily actions can be as selfless as possible? There's always a, a selfish motivation. We want freedom for the world and for people because we want it for us and we want it for our children. There's always a selfish motivation, but my goal is always, how, you know, how in every choice I get, what is the most generous and, and selfless choice that I can make? And what I've noticed is, is the, it's still a challenge at times. Um, but, but when I make that highest choice, the result is a very flowing situation, a situation that just lines up a movie that just all the right people end up in it the funding comes yeah. and it's just, and it's just graceful. It's just, just graceful. No yeah. drama within the crew, no weird investors trying to start stuff. It's just drama free. Uh, but the moment that we get a little bit of that, you know, hidden agenda of how mm. do I glorify my own persona? How do I serve myself through this? Um, it gets a little sticky and dangerous. And so I think that it's, you know, I'm, I've, I've just learned so much through this process. The last three and a half years or so ha have been the greatest education of my life of learning how to be with and deal with 
all of the different personalities and all, all of the different um, archetypes and the, the real sicknesses that we're dealing with, the real trouble that we're dealing with. And I'll frame that by saying that we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's going on outside of us when we should spend more time figuring out what's going on inside of us. Because the, the problems in the world that we're all seeking to solve were activated by people that are wounded. I believe firmly that the Klaus Schwab's of the world, the Bill Gates of the world, the George Soros's of the world would have been very different men had they had, let's say, let's just pick one thing, maybe a better father, mm. a better upbringing. If you know my, ch my children, it's, it would be impossible for me to even consider that they would do anything harmful to another human being consciously because of the way they're being raised. And so there's a real interpersonal perspective that we need to start looking from more often to, to and also, you know, to be honest, to, to see it in ourselves, to say, is there any, is there a morsel of Bill Gates in me? Is there a morsel of an opportunist, of a monopolist, of a, whatever it might be? Is there some of that? And or and or if I don't feel that there is, is it possible that it's a blind spot for me and it's still operating somewhere in my life? And this is why I've had upsets and breakups and divorces. And and is there something going on there that I can take responsibility for and heal within myself, trusting that the ripple effect of that will probably have more impact on the rest of the world than me trying to correct things from the outside in? And so I do agree that there is a, a tactic being used to keep us all in a state of confusion. Because when the mind is clear, when the heart is clear, when we're, and, and it's not just confusing data, but it's also, um, it's the busyness of the world. It's the distractions of the world. It's the addiction to filling all of our quiet moments with noise. It's uh, when we have that free moment and we're, maybe we're in line at the DMV instead of just being, Hmm. We go, I got to meet scroll. Let me figure out what I can do here to pass the time. I'm in the bathroom now. Let me get caught up on my, and we're constantly doing that. What I've noticed to myself is that when I take a moment to get silent and to be still and just to do my best to not think, which is incredibly challenging for me, but to just breathe, a answers to my life flow in and no. those answers make so much more sense than the opinion of any guru that I might be tempted to follow. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, one thing, one of the, the hardest books I've ever read is, um, uh, masters of death, the SS Einsatzgruppen. They're the, the precursors to the, the death camps. They're the mobile death squads. It's a horrifying book to read. Um, but one of it is, uh, one of the parts is it's talking about Hitler's upbringing. It's just kind of like a side chapter and you're like, you're, you're like, you know, I remember like getting ready. It's like, you know, the chapter is like, it's like young Adolf and you're like, here we go. And part of you is like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hate this motherfucker. I just imagine like a two-year-old with a mustache, like, and he, he comes in and it's, it's talking about like him coming home from school and his dad would beat him and his dog until they would both pass out from, I guess, like a temporary concussion. And he would wake up 
in a collective pool of urine. And Adolf wouldn't know if it was his or his dog's. And that would lead to his like love of animals. As he was gassing millions of Jews, he had his, I forget the name of his dog, but his little dog he would take for walks. And you read that and you sit back and you feel guilty. You're like, am I feeling empathy for like the guy that, you know, if you have a time machine, you go back and kill. And it's one of the most difficult things to grasp. You go, no, it's Adolf Hitler. I can't, it's no, he's, I can't do that. You go, I mean, you know, you got, you both raise your hand, but you, you know, you, my mom and dad, the most loving people I could ever wrap my head around. And I go, I can't imagine. I, I can't even, I mean, like the Christmases I grew up with is like, I, I lived in like a Norman Rockwell painting. And then I look back at what happened to young Adolf and it, does it, does it excuse what he did? Absolutely not. But you look at it and you're like, dude, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how do you, how do you get through that? Like how much of that is wounded? And then you start to look around at the people who are kind of wounding the world and you, it's a tough pill to swallow, man. It, it's so much easier to look at an evil demon and go, yeah, that guy's just pure blackness. It's so much harder to look at an evil person and and actually feel something for them. And that's, I mean, that's, that's madness. And I can't, you know, I can't fully forgive them because you're talking about losing your mom. I look, me and my, uh, my two living brothers all look at the loss of our oldest brother in 2014 when I was 23 and he was 27 and he committed suicide. And like you said, you know, about picking up body parts of, you know, I've held my brother's ashes. I've, I've, picked up I've picked up the bag and you know put it in the the nice wooden box and seen the you know the the fucking crushed up pieces of bone and that breaks your mind it really you you do dissociate but I've said it my younger brother said it my older brother said it it was the worst thing that ever happened it was also the best thing that ever happened because it's liberation. It's pure liberation. If you can get through it, you know, granted it's seven, eight years of unimaginable horror, but if you get through it, it's, you know, I've been, you know, Tommy, Hey, I just got banned from Twitter last week. They're like, dude, you get banned from everything. I'm like, do you not understand how, like how little I give a fuck? Like it, it's Twitter. It's, it, it means nothing to me. Yeah. You, you brought up a couple of points that before we get too far away from them that I that oh, yeah, yeah. You would like to yeah. add a little addendum here. Yeah, because, I, was, I, was, um, I was going way off into the... No, you were going fast. It's fantastic where you're going. Thank you. But before I forget, um, so our world has been inverted. Our reality has been inverted, right? Up is down and down is down is up and left is right and right is left. And, and um, you said something earlier on in your when you first started to pose the question that reminded me, and that's why I thought of 9-11, was the things that have changed my life have often been the things that I went in the opposite direction of the herd. When everyone was running away from the collapsed World Trade Centers, I ran in for some reason. And that was the be best choice I'd ever made in my life because I, I think it, re it really required 
as a young man living in Hollywood who had built up that armor of ego to survive that very dangerous machinery of Hollywood that is just filled with predators, um, I had changed. I was no longer my, my mother's son. I didn't know that, of course, until later. It's amazing what you see when you wake up. Mm. And, um, but what a, what a great choice I made, even though it was questionable at the time, did I make the right choice? Because a lot of people I was with either died or they're very sick right now in the air that we were breathing. But in, in, in my case, it was all positive, all wonderful, because um, I, I made the conscious choice to make it so. And I, I had an experience into 40 some hours into the experience where I literally found myself in that old fable of the, you know, at the crossroads of my life with the choice. And the choice was, I was, it was presented to me in the way that this could justify a life of irresponsibility. Like I could, I could live off the government for the rest of my life. I could be a, you know, a vet and a veteran in that sense, a veteran of 9-11 experience. Mm -hmm. And I could, I could um, collect government money and also, you know, whatever my behavior was, I could use it as an excuse of like, I just got messed up from that experience. I could use it. I could use it to, to really, you know, justify a life of irresponsibility sure. or I could do what I'm doing now. And so sometimes, you know, the people are confused out there. So this is back onto your initial question about the confusion. People are confused um, when it's actually the easiest time ever to find truth and the right path. It's, it's never been easier. It was tricky before, but today, whatever the mainstream media is saying on loop, it's not the truth. It's super easy to find it. So, so do the opposite. If they're saying, be afraid, hate that person, maybe go in the other direction. You brought up something very interesting. Can we if I got in a time machine, there was probably no one I'd rather go, get in a time machine and go back and strangle to death than Adolf Hitler. And yes, we can have compassion for that poor child that was beaten into a pool of his own urine as, as, as by his father. What a horrible situation that shaped the psyche of that man. And we should learn from that. But we won't learn from that through the energy of hate. We'll just hate. But the moment we apply it we, and we detach the man that committed some of the most horrific crimes against humanity ever to that innocent little boy that had to deal with the, the opened wound that his father was, that he was born into that experience. And it wasn't it, his choice on many levels. But it's that ability to give ourselves more credit for having the capacity to hold much more than we've been told that we can hold. We can hold that disgust and that condemnment of that man. And we can also hold compassion for understanding that he's also a cell within the, within the organism of life that we are just another cell in. And until we start looking at things higher like that, we'll keep repeating the Adolf Hitlers of the world. We'll keep producing them until the fathers realize like that's what this man produced. He produced a killer. And how many kids do we have on the street right now that were raised by the system, by the state, that their mothers were forced to not have a man in the house, house and, 
and the and the kids were you know the only security that they had or camaraderie or tribe or connection that they longed for was a gang and that gang forced a child at 10 years old to go out and commit their first couple of murders so they could er earn their street clout and and look at the damage that does to little guys look at look what's happening in countries of africa where they have child so soldiers and all these kids know they can walk right up to somebody put a gun to their forehead and and pull the trigger and laugh there's if they've lost their humanity, completely lost their humanity. But that's the outcome of us not remembering that we have the capacity to, to love beyond measure, to be compassionate beyond measure, at the same time that we can completely condemn somebody for their actions. So we're much broader, we're much more diverse, we're, we're, much, we're much more resilient and brilliant than we've given ourselves credit for, and that's by design. Because when we, when we look at humanity in a negative light, it's very easy to harm each other. It's very easy. It starts with, you know, the appreciation of the self. If we think we're a failed experiment and a parasite on this planet, a cancer, whatever metaphor you want to use, um, if that's what we think humanity is, which is one of the you know most dominant narratives that have been circulating for generations, then then that that will to live. When I saw my mom literally die 34 days later after my brother, she was a cancer survivor and would have lived, I'm sure, into her 80s easily. She'd beat it. But the moment her son died and she held the grief of knowing that she was one of the ones who kept him on a deadly medicine prescribed by Anthony Fauci called AZT, the guilt of that yeah. was just too much. How many people are going through that right now? How many mothers took their kids out to get the COVID vaccine? I know a few here in Texas whose, you know, kid was a track star, can't run anymore, 12 years old. You know, the the pain that mother's and father's going through by making that choice. Um, how many people are dealing with that? How many how many parents know that perhaps the, you know, we're making a movie right now about the people that were injured by the trials, the COVID trials, and there, there's some of them are still in the wheelchair. Those parents, you can't have them on camera without them crying. We all know them. Robert and I know them. We've done many, many events with them. Some of the children died. A day, a day after the COVID vaccine, that person will never recover from that. And so it's, you know, having, um, having compassion for that, to understand that, that that's, you know, we can rise above that because the flip side of that, and I always do my best to, we, we need more than ever right now. We need, we need to keep our, our energy, our vibrations up. And I will say this, that the upside to even those most horrific stories that we've heard through this the last three and a half years is that what has happened is it has birthed a generation of warriors and i would even call them love warriors the parents who have harmed their children are unstoppable they're now out on the front line the mama bears i did an event in minnesota last week and it was 90 percent mama bears at this event and these are women who um, understand they're there to protect their children and there's nothing that will stop them and so that's the, that's the upside of all of this, too. It's, it's awakening the giant within all of us to understand that if we can't trust our leadership, if we can't trust our institutions, if we can't trust science, what the hell do we have? You know, and that's the, hopefully that's when we return to understand that we were born here to be sovereign and that we, that we carry an intelligence. We are, we are receivers and broadcasters of infinite intelligence. And if we tune into that, we'll start making much better choices that will lead us into a, a much better and brighter future. And um, Dr. Willis is, has shared his thoughts on it, and we'll have Dr. Malone in a second, but <clears throat> as Dr. Kerrigan, um, 
one thing and you know talking to you Mickey you 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 excuse me Dr. Willis one thing you've helped me with is you can look at a a young Adolf and and feel empathy and it's also okay to look at an older person an older Adolf and no longer give that empathy I just read last week I had no idea Dwight Eisenhower's dad. I think he, I think Dwight, he, he didn't refer to him as dad. He called him old savage, I think. Wow. He used to beat the shit. Yeah. He used to beat the That's shit. Sad. And he goes on to become Dwight Eisenhower. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, people are, okay. Well, he and Hitler were born around the same time. I think 1890. You can go two routes. And, you know, one thing that's, that's kind of helped me is looking at this and going, there's a lot of pain. But there's also free will. And that doesn't mean don't love people. But it also, you you can't simply grovel. And I'll, I'll always look back to, it was a couple of years after my brother died. And I was living at home with my parents. I was just angry and I'm, I'm so upset. And I used to, you know, I got into medical school. I had a hot girlfriend. And now I'm fat and I'm living at home and I'm a fucking loser. And. Everyone always felt bad for me. And I remember telling one of my friends who was an Iraq war veteran. I was like, yeah, man, I don't, I was like, I don't understand the point of going on. Like, what's the point of keeping on working? Like, maybe I should just like kill myself. And I remember he goes, well, um, sorry, but I've lost a lot of friends to suicide. And that's your choice. And I'm not going to let you bring me down. So best of luck. But at midnight, I'm going to block your number. I texted him back immediately and I go, same for Miguel. I'm like, he might be watching. I was like, wait, what? And he was like, I'm sorry. And if you need me to call someone, I'll call someone. But he's like, I think you live with your parents. So, you know, you can go talk to your mom, but you're not bringing me down. I've lost a lot of friends. And I was like, go. and a part of me was like, how Good friend literally like Greta. I was like, how dare you? And he was like, <laughs> you're not, you're not, dude, you're not doing this, man. He's like, I got two kids. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to learn programming. I was like, I was so upset. I was like, I just told you how, like, how hurt I am. And he was like, stop being a pussy. And I was like, dude. And like, I think we ended up like talking that night. I was like laughing and he completely broke me out of it because he was like, we're not going down this road. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm legitimately sorry. Tommy, you bring up another super important point that I, 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 yeah. I you just reminded me I didn't finish. I would love to hear Robert we've had conversations similar to this about the will to live and sure. And I'd love to hear his perspective on this and give him some mic time here. Um, but you just reminded me that I didn't complete my sentence. When yeah, it, yeah. I watched my mother lose her will to live. And we've all heard the stories of elderly people being with each other for 60 years. One dies and a couple of weeks later, the, the other one dies. My dad's parents. Yeah. Listen to your okay. part. And so it's important for us to understand all that madness out there is ultimately chipping away at our will to live. That's what's going on. As we lose touch with family, we lose touch with the attraction to male and female. Of, of We're too scared to have families anymore. We feel too unsafe to love our city. 
we we feel um it's risky to love our nation to salute our flag to to be patriotic so we start to lose everything worth living and dying for and there goes our will to live and that is i explained to my sons the other day and baseball team that i coach i said y'all play video games and all those little avatar video games have that little bar at the bottom that shows Mm -hmm. your lifeline your life force and you're constantly watching that because you know when that runs out it's game over yeah and so that's that's the meter that we all need to pay attention to about our will to live. And oddly, the, the the more extreme things get in the world, the more I'm finding my will to live is enhancing. It's getting stronger. Like I I'm I will fight harder for this because I love this life. I love my life. And and most of all, I want my children to have a life that they love. And so that that subject I've never heard anyone really go into, but that will to live is what is being deteriorated by all the negative news, by all the shock stuff, by all the you know weather, bad weather programs, and all the stuff that's coming in. It's just to constantly chip away at our will to live, and um, and I think that's why we all need to um, direct our attention, our this thing we call our attention, which has been hijacked. And I know this as a 30-year-plus media veteran that sat in boardrooms with ad agencies. And I realized early on as a young filmmaker, all they want to do is capture people's attention. It doesn't matter. You don't have to talk about the, the commercial, the product that you're selling. Just put girls in bikinis, eating juicy burgers, dripping down their breast. And you, you've captured their attention. And now, now you own them as, as a consumer, right? So it's all about taking the wheel of that ship, which is our attention, so they can steer us wherever the heck they want us to go. So, But it's about regaining and becoming the masters of our attention again. And part of that is to counter all the stuff they're doing in this inver- inverted world and move in the opposite direction. They want us to be scared, be courageous. They want you to be depressed, be happy. You know, They, they want you to give up, get stronger. And that's that's how we counter all of it. Um, and, and, and ultimately, when enough of us do that, then it's game over for them. I'd love to hear... Uh, Robert, I'd love to hear. I was about to say, we, I'm not realizing we've completed, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like when a politician has some like celebrity come out and just stand next to him and then like give a thumbs up. And you're like, that, yeah. what the fuck was the point of that? I just realized like, I've, I've just had Dr. Malone sitting here just patiently nodding. It's just like, this is my, he's, he's a very, <laughs> he's a very good listener. I'd love to hear more of him too, because we used to speak all the time. We haven't spoken in quite a while. This is the first time we've seen each other in months. So it's, it's right. actually good to see you, Robert. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Dr. Malone, your your thoughts on 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 me and Mickey going back and forth. I'm glad to hear you're doing so well, Mickey. Thank you. Um, so uh one thing I'm I as you're moving through this, I'm having various uh tangential thoughts. First, uh um remember the saying the meek shall inherit the earth. That my understanding is that term meek in the original Hebrew or whatever it was, is improperly translated. Right. And it, it actually refers to someone who has this inner peace and uh, like Mickey is uh, um, someone who literally does turn the other cheek or metaphorically uh, doesn't react to the, the aggression that might be coming their way. And aggression is a, a you know, complicated thing. Uh, but um, metaphorically stands with their sword at the side, ready to to go into battle if necessary. They don't seek conflict. They don't seek combat, but they are psychologically prepared for it should it be necessary. Um, 
Another thought that come, came to mind as I was listening to you was, of course, my favorite saying from Frank Herbert, fear is the mind killer. Uh, this is from Dune, of course, and uh, I guess that's a nod to the upcoming chapter that should be uh, uh, being broadcast into our brains shortly. Uh, but uh, fear is the mind killer is something that's absolutely weaponized. That, that is what we've been experiencing is the weaponization of fear in order to shut down our mind, destroy our mind and our ability to think and respond rationally. And it, what it does is it shuts down our, our thinking mind, our conscious mind. And uh, then the lizard brain uh, kicks in in the absence of conscious logical thought. And uh, we end up, or, or one is prone to these uh, various things like the hyperaggression that we often see on social media, uh, the, the complete failure of empathy, which is another key theme that was just coming out. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, the tension I think is to balance empathy with awareness that there are in fact sociopaths and psychopaths in the world. The difference being, I guess uh, with your story, that teaches that Hitler is actually a sociopath, not a psychopath, in that he was taught to be that way. Psychopaths being people who are classically um, incapable from birth of having empathy for others. It's really empathy that is what comes down to it. Uh, and um, our willingness to extend empathy to those around us, I think is at the core of Mickey's uh, approach to the world, when, when you hear him speak of uh, resonance and, and uh, being harmonious uh, and um, uh, taking personal responsibility rather than projecting to the other a responsibility for whatever is taking place in your life, uh, that's, that's all coming from a deep position of empathy. I'm not aware of empathy uh, coming naturally to people, it seems to often be the product of hardship. And I think this may be getting at what you're speaking of with the trauma is, at least in my experience, uh, when, I've, when I have had to process various forms of trauma or aggression or other things and uh, come to terms with them, come to terms with my own failures, what, what emerges from that organically is, is an in, enhanced empathy. But I, the, the counterpoint to that is that I've, through my life, I've encountered that there are evil people in the world. Uh, there just are. Uh, and um, they often are narcissistic. Uh, they often are sociopathic or psychopathic. They, they, they are very focused on self and not on other. Uh, and um, I just, pre my wife criticizes me all the time for this. I, I really have a hard time holding people accountable for things. I'm a horrible boss because basically I don't want to set any limits. I just expect people to do the right thing and, and be honest. And then I'm so disappointed when they aren't. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, and I fail because I don't give them clear expectations and directions. I just assume that they know how to behave and what to do. Uh, and then and then I become so disappointed when they fail to meet the expectations that I failed to share with them. Oh yeah, um, no, 
assume telepathy. Why didn't you know what I wanted? Yeah, uh, well, marriage teaches you about assumed telepathy uh, uh, on an almost daily basis. So uh, after after 44 years, I pretty much got most of that ground out of me. But Fair enough. Um, the the uh, uh, the the anger and hate within which we are swimming right now, uh, I think, is for me one of the biggest personal challenges. Uh, I still take it; still hurts. It still I still feel it deeply, and uh, I was speaking to another colleague that I think we all know, Gavin De Becker. Uh, who also, by the way, his his uh, creation as a human, and he's a truly a human. He is a deeply human person, um, and a realized human. He also was subjected to intense uh, familial trauma. His mother, you know, shot his father. His mother was a heroin addict. Used to beat him and his his siblings. Uh, and he's told me a lot of personal stories, some of which he shared on other interviews, so I can speak about it. Uh, but um, Gavin, Gavin is somebody who also shares that deep empathy, uh, extends it to others, and in uh, the derivative for him, he's built a business out of it, an incredibly successful business, is that he's always going around trying to fix things for people. Uh, make make their lives better. He takes this as his personal mission uh, that that he will protect others and uh, make their lives better. Uh, and and it in I had a long long chat with him and Jill uh, sitting on a eroded concrete bench on the Italian coast one day about all of this and uh, what it resulted in with his personality is that for a long time. He he was basically depersonalized. He he didn't he could only imagine as a younger man, uh, you know, in his twenties and thirties, with a growingly successful business. Uh, he when when given the opportunity to make choice for himself, all he could imagine was what other people would, uh, what would look good to other people, what other people would respect him to do. He was living his life through the lens of the expectations of others and not uh, living it fully um, himself. I think, I think that remains one of his personal challenges is uh, to allow himself uh, to find happiness, uh, to, to uh, be the centered uh, person that he can be uh, as opposed to uh, continually seeking to please and serve others. And uh, I think there's, for me, my sense is that we're constantly caught in this balancing act, uh, pulled between these different opposing forces and these different needs. And somehow we have to find an accommodation that represents us, uh, that, that allows us to be centered, uh, at peace, uh, effective, um, but us, still in that biblical sense of meek, uh, not, not aggressive or antagonistic, not seeking conflict, but uh, able, uh, this is the walk softly and carry a big stick version, 
uh, able to respond uh, when we have to, because otherwise there are these predators out there that uh, will um, uh, take joy in causing us harm or those around us. And I'm this I for me, this is a, a major tension is is how to uh, maintain an openness. This is, you know, what came out of my part of the conversation with Gavin uh, is as we were sharing, uh, and he coaches me about uh, all kinds of things about my newfound uh, position in the world and visibility. Uh, and uh, I personally am uh, really, really wary of the cult of personality uh, problems, that there are those who actually, who actively seek to develop a cult of personality around themselves. They seek fame. Uh, I fear it uh, in part because of, and I'm highly cautious about it because I know how easily it distorts people. Uh, and your story about uh, Hitler is, is a great example of a master of the cult of personality. Uh, and, and there are others that, that um, for whatever reason, have a hunger for self-affirmation, external self-affirmation, and they fall into this need for uh, developing a cult of personality around themselves. Uh, and Gavin was challenging me about this, saying, well, um, uh, why, you know, why do you reject this? Uh, you should use it. You should, you should be um, enabling of a certain degree of this uh, because you're serving a greater cause by enabling yourself to have this uh, social status and platform. Uh, and my response was, um, and, and also, of course, that I should be uh, less uh, sensitive and less susceptible to the uh, just ugly that streams into our lives if we're active uh, politically or socially and, and active on these various platforms these days. And I said, you know, I, I personally believe that if I was to give up and overcome the fact that these things still hurt me, I would cease being who I am, that, that um, being open and experiencing psychological pain and experiencing these uh, forces and needs to uh, avoid uh, cults mm -hmm. and, and the opportunity to serve as a cult leader uh, makes me who I am. Uh, and if I was to lose the empathy that I have in these beliefs about uh, personal modesty uh, and and not seeking um, attention and fame, many people think I, I I'm otherwise, but that's that's Mickey probably knows me as well as anybody. Uh, um, uh, you know, I take great joy in uh, the little goofy things like uh, the. Uh, uh, filming that he did uh, uh, in a in a uh, in a grocery store, uh, which I think has yet to be broadcast, and uh, this little clip about the most interesting doctor in the world, which is just a great barrel of laughs and fun. Um, uh, but I didn't do that for personal fame, uh, and and I like I said, I I think that 
to be who we are, we have to strike some, our own personal balance in this very complex space, particularly if we have uh, a reasonably high profile. Um, you know, I'm not uh, Bobby Kennedy by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but um, I do have this little uh, cohort that listens to what Jill and I put out on a regular basis and seems to find help and benefit in it. And for me, that's enough. Uh, I don't I don't need to uh, become the savior or the great one or the leader of the movement, wherever the movement is, uh, but rather um, I, I seek to be a tutor uh, and um, to share uh, and to live uh, a very human life in a very human environment. Uh, I think that's that's where I'm coming down on this and, and is, was just hit with those last two uh, soliloquies from the two of you. I think it does come down to empathy and I think empathy is uh, paradoxically a, often a product of tragedy. Hmm. And maybe that's the gift that you're talking about. Over. Well said. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say, uh, yeah, well, um, I said we, uh, we, we wrap it up, but I kind of wanted to end on, uh, on, on two points, um, a more serious and a less serious. The first is, uh, Dr. Willis talking about the importance of being alone, being quiet. And, uh, I meditate every day I have since 2008. I've lifted weights every day since 2003. And they are both identical in that you, every morning you wake up and you go, dad, ah, I'm not doing it. Fuck that shit, dude. I'm not, I'm not going to lift dumbbells. Then you go, let's go do it. And you go, you go lift weights. You feel better after you sit down and meditate. Meditation scary because you sit down and you put the phone away. You're not scrolling through Instagram. You're not texting. You're not looking at whatever. And it's just you. I'm just sitting right here. Here I am on a rock in the middle of nowhere. What is all of this? Oh shit. You know, my parents are getting older. I'm getting older. But as you sit quietly, more and more answers start to come to you for whatever it is that you're dealing with in life. And it's the most paradoxical thing because instead of 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 working at something out, like reading a book and trying to find the answers. It's very, very odd. And I've talked about this before, you know, and I'll, and I'll make it short. When I was in college and, I, you know, I'd be taking a, an evolutionary biology class or, or organic chemistry, I would, I would zip through 99% of the test. I would circle the two, three questions I didn't know. And at the very end, I would sit there and I would like, I'd like put my pencil on the table and I would close my eyes and I would meditate. And I would sit there for 30 minutes and eventually I'd open my eyes and I'd, I'd, I'd see the answer and I would, as I got more quiet, everything kind of went away. And my, because, because you're, you're exactly, you're accessing your subconscious. I, I, I swear my, cause I, I would go through all of it. I would go through the entire, the entire class would be full. When I say like, I got a 99 no chem one and I got a hundred no chem two. I'm the reason why I like several people at UGA, like had taken that like another semester. Like I, I was the, they'd be like, I remember the professor would be like, class average was a 55, but he'd be like, somebody got a 99. So I, 
that that is one a, point. That is a very significant intellectual achievement. That That's was a wicked I, hard I, course. I love, and then I I took I took precalculus four times, so it bounces out. But the point is, is I would get more and more quiet if you sat there and tried to go in your brain. What's the answer? How, how the how the fuck does benzene do this with? It's the exact opposite. You get very very quiet. Well, you remember the structure of the benzene ring emerged in a dream. Oh, perfect. Snake, snakes chasing their tail. That okay, was, well, perfect. Backs up my point. Makes me sound smarter. That's how it was solved. Hey, I wanted to say something, though, that kind of yeah, tees yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. yeah go for it. I don't care. You and Mickey were saying about, about this need for peace and, and moments of inner peace. And it just it occurs to me, that's what the horses give me. Um, mm. Currently have a, a pen with five young foals, uh, none of whom know anything. Uh, and I walk in there and they come to me uh, and horses aren't real big thinkers. Uh, they're very, very emotional. And you have to, you have to make yourself quiet uh, if they're going to approach you and trust you and you have to move really slow. And uh, when they do that, when they come around and uh, share with you and curiously um uh, nibble at you and and interact with you there's this transcendent peace hmm. that, uh i think is similar to what the two of you are finding in other places it's interesting that we all share that um the that that seeking for and realizing the value of that transcendent peace so that's all i had to say yeah, no no it, it's, it's very it's you're putting down your calculator and like my older brother he, he he can ask him anything and he can give you the answer out to five or six decimals. It's it's the craziest thing ever. And it's, it's the exact opposite. You ask him how, and I think it's because he was hit in the head during football, but he'd say he just gets quiet and it just comes to him. And it's the exact, and there's a whole, you know, philosophical, symbolic, metaphorical, whatever you want to call it, of all that. But I'd get quiet and you would just see it. And I do it during meditation. I'll sit there, like, how do I, how do I grow the podcast? How do I? And you go through all these cycles of thought, and as you get more quiet, and you finally put it down, you go, I, I, I don't know. And then it just, it comes to you, and it's because you've let go. So on, you know, on one hand, with everything we're all working with, be it, you know, the tyrannical takeover of a bio-Marxist, transhumanist, monstrous global dictatorship. Or organic chemistry, but but Tom, this this gets to this uh, increasing wave of of people having a sense of uh, religious uh, oneness or uh, um, spiritual awareness that I think does seem to be happening. I, believe Mickey would agree with that. I think he's he's uh, intentionally consciously tapped into it as well as subconsciously. Mm -hmm. But but when you do that, when you tap into that subconscious, are you are you really only accessing yourself or are you is that the road through which we the the, the bridge or the gateway that we enter into the ability to tap into this uh, mysterious, uh, profound um, 
awareness that seems to surround us in a very mystical way uh, that that unifies us, uh, that that connects us. You know, I I um uh one of Gavin's best friend is actually a former disciple of Carlos Castaneda. So that's an interesting thing to know. Uh and and uh the idea that this uh Yakri sorcerer uh, was teaching that uh um there are there are essential we are glowing orbs uh connected to each other by uh you know, metaphorical or real uh, rays of light uh, that we emit and that we connect to, there's something that is beyond uh, the capabilities of, quote, science or scientism to detect. And so we discount it. We say it can't exist because we don't have the instruments to detect it. We don't know what wavelength it is. We don't know how it exists. And yet all three of us have this experience of when you quiet your conscious brain, you suddenly access things that are outside of what you thought you knew of your yeah. knowing, um, that, that often uh, in some way resonate with others. Maybe this is what he's talking about in his, his connectivity 100 percent yeah you you are uh now now over the target um of what i feel is the the shift in our awareness that has the greatest potential to save humanity yes i was raised with zero religion i don't think i'd ever seen a bible until i was in my teens my mom would say things like, God bless you and God love you and all of that. But there was no religion. We'd never gone to church. The only time I'd ever been in a church was for a wedding or a funeral. I watched my aunt and uncle become born-again Christians. I come from a fairly dysfunctional, typical Western American family with alcoholics and, and you know, adultery and all the other stuff that a lot of families go through. And you're American. Had, had an aunt and an uncle who became born again Christians. They became overzealous to convert everyone and they were completely uninvited to everything. And so as a young child, I made a decision. That's bad. Stay away from that thing that those people are talking about. What are they talking about? Jesus Christ. Stay away from that thing. Cause that's how you get, that's how you lose family. And, uh, and the more experiences that I've had, the more mystical, unexplainable, undefinable, ineffable experiences, tangible at the same time, things that all you can't convince me I didn't I didn't have I didn't have. It was right there. I had a profound Christ awakening in 2008. One day I'll tell it on your podcast. I call it the Jesus burrito story. So I was in the middle of a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> took one, one bite of a delicious chicken burrito and zero alcohol, not even a margarita, which I usually have with a burrito, but this time it was just water. And I suddenly had a profound Christ awakening. Had my wife take me home and it unfolded for the next two and a half hours. And um, I've never been the same ever since that moment. And so it's, it opened my eyes to um, the, the result of that experience was what ultimately happened to me was I realized that I had to, had to tune into, become aware of and tune my instrument to what I now call the father frequency. I didn't know that I was about to have two boys. I didn't know that because I was raised by a single mom with a father who was never there, 
that I had a real deep father wound. I didn't know that that deep father wound would have caused me to make the same mistakes that my father made. That he, it's a beautiful man. We're, we're, we became really good friends when I was in my late teens, and um, and he has such deep remorse, regret for not being there. Um, but I would have, I think, I would have been cursed to following, to echoing. Uh, dad's moves in life. And I probably would have been that dad all over again with a bunch of regret and children out there that I don't really know. And, uh, you know, as I get older, like my dad has, he's just become very, um, very sad that he, he wasn't more responsible. And he, he, you know, he's talked about how selfish he was as a young man. Um, this is a man, of course, that was raised by a father who never once in his entire life uttered the words, I love you. Hmm. And so again, we have a father deficit on this planet. And if we can just step it up in that realm, things will improve in 20 years. That's our and job. That, yeah, it's a big one. Um, but you're right on the money, Robert, because um, my metaphor for it is this, is the, the rooms that the three of us are in right now are filled with frequencies. Dial, punch in a, a number on the keypad of your phone and you will pick up a frequency that is aligned with someone's phone number. And it and that it will connect you to that person. And so our our there's this infinite intelligence that informs all of nature. I see this, what we're going through on planet Earth right now, as a war against nature. Nature is so brilliant and so resilient that if we if we can damage our natural that's immune what system. Trans, that's what transhumanism is. Exactly. That is, that is a false religion that's a war on nature. Absolutely. It is a it is absolutely a war on nature because. I mean, just it, it baffles me still to this day, and I'm surprised more people aren't baffled by it, to think that the that uh, this creation that brought us here also provided all the food and medicine that grows from the ground. And a lot of it is in primary colors, and it looks just like the organ that it, it is meant for. That's mind-blowing, but we take it for granted. It's almost as if that force said, one day you're going to lose your way, children. So I'm going to make them look like Legos and primary colors and the shape of a, a bell pepper with four chambers and a heart and the avocado looks like a womb and the little walnut with two hemispheres looks like a mini brain. That's for your brain. Crack open a carrot. It looks like an iris of an eye and it happens say, to be good for your eye. I was going to say in carrot looks like rods lose, and cones. <laughs> in case you lose your way, I want to make it very simple for you to return to return to the gift that I gave you, that everything is provided for you right there. Um, Robert, you said something at the very beginning of this podcast about life is meant to be simple, and it is absolutely true. And life was made to be simple. We complicated it by adhering to all of these new ideologies and allowing them to disconnect us from this broadcast of nature, this infinite intelligence that um, I, I've become okay with using a word that I wasn't okay with for many years, and that is I'll call it God now. Hmm. Um, I get, I still am in, I'm in between the worlds of the far left and the far right. I'll still get Christians mad at me. Sometimes I say, listen, I, I, I've learned to pray to Christ. So you can yeah. call me Christian if, if you want to. Um, but I also won't negate anyone else, anyone else's God. I've traveled the world and I've seen really good people in the, in the depths of the jungles at the top of the Andes, and they have their, a different God. I'm not going to tell them that their God is invalid. What matters to me is that they're listening to that God. And they're in tune to it. And they understand that there's a greater power than themselves. I think one of the most destructive ideologies we can adapt to is that we are the top of the food chain. When we understand that we are insignificant and incredibly, infinitely powerful all at the same time, but that there is something that will always be more intelligent than us, that we have the ability to tune into, to tap in that keypad, 
and to receive it. We are the body. But but the the downside of this, Robert talked about fame. I've been around fame my whole life. I've watched friends in Hollywood get off the bus from Iowa, sweetest, good-hearted people ever within one year, they've changed, they're destroyed by fame. One way to not allow that to happen is to never forget the principle that we are broadcasters and receivers. We are instruments and we are being played, but I don't mean the negative way. We are not the music. The music comes through us. We are not the intelligence. The intelligence comes through us. It's just like the radio of your car. Imagine a little radio of your car taking responsibility for all the music that comes through it. Like, <laughs> man, I, I'm the Beatles. I'm, I'm Elvis. Jimmy Andrews, I'm, baby. I'm all of it, man. No, it's <laughs> just receiving and broadcasting. And when we can understand and be left in gratitude for this intelligence that for some reason our instrument is it has been tuned through all the experiences, the good and the bad of our life, to be able to tune into a frequency that allows for certain information to come through it. And that certain information resonates with other people. If we're just left feeling grateful for our instrument and not that we're owning the accolades and owning the music and owning the intelligence, but literally like just just to just grateful that the body is is receiving and broadcasting. For me personally, that keeps me away from uh, the the dangers of latching on to the accolades that I receive, the comments that I hear about me. And, and when I do a book signing and there's one person after the next saying, thank you. And we love you or whatever. I receive that because it's, it's generous to be able to receive that love. And you have to, you know, you take that in, it. you, you have, have to, to acknowledge it. it, but inside my internal work is sending it to where it belongs and just saying, now I say, thank you, whatever you want to name that force. Thank you so much for allowing that to come through in a way that it just touched that person's life and made their life better. How mm -hmm. grateful am I that I get to be in service to this incredible Very intelligence nice. that governs all of life. And mm -hmm. if we, we have been which severed allows, from that relationship. allows you to be profoundly humble. That, well, that, that, and that has not always been my strength, trust me. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's taken a lot of work to understand the importance and power and um, urgency of, of humility. And um, that is that is my work continue to this day to continue my prayer that I pray is before I do any podcast is please give me humor and humility. Mm. So I understand how important those two things are. The 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 Jesus burrito, I was going to say, you know, there's, <laughs> there's the good and the bad, but there's also the I'd say the humor and the humility. I mean, you know, going to private, you know, I'm the opposite of you, Mickey. I would private <laughs> Catholic school my whole life, you know, you know, kneel and, you know, you know, you're going to you're a bad person because you know whatever but you know going into you know college it was science and atheism and atheism was hip and it's all just matter and energy and whatever and i never believed in any of it and i thought i had it all figured out you know cells and biology and chandeliers and chandelier cells and dendrites and axons and glutamate and whatever and i got figured out and um you know, my brother took his life on April 15th, 2014. On April 14th, I was visiting my girlfriend and uh, I remember she fell asleep or her ex-girlfriend, but head on my chest and she woke me up because she woke up. And I asked her, I was like, I was like why'd you wake me up? And she was like, well, your your heartbeat woke me up, which I'd never had because it was so bad. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? She was like, she's like, it was like pounding in my head. 
like, are you all right? And I was like, oh, I was having an anxiety attack in my dream. Mm. And she was, she was like, what was the dream? And I was like, uh, you know, I was like, like, like a drone almost following over like a third person shoulder. I was like, I was watching my brother and he was just like wandering around his house. And he was like walking up and down the stairs. He was like walking to his desk and walking away. And, uh, you know, he finally went into his, his gun safe and, you know, retrieved his gun. And I was like, you know, I just woke up in a, in a cold terror. And I was 600 miles away from him. And I'll just for family privacy, I won't go into it. I found out that at the exact same, I mean, literally like proven by like text messages and, you know, fingerprints and cops have to be involved. They have to find out whether or not there's foul play. It was exactly what happened. Wow. And I'm the atheist of atheists. I just got into medical school. I'm, you know, I'm fucking smart as shit. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, it wasn't like it was a hint or a vague feeling. It was like to the clock. Mm -hmm. Like if the NSA was involved, they'd be like, yeah, you're implicated. Yeah. And there's the humility to tie into the humor when I was, you know, doing the podcast early on, I just remember asking, I was like, I was like, man, like if there is a God, I'm being a cocky asshole. As if I didn't learn my lesson from my brother killing himself. I was like, man, if there is a God, I was like, I, I need to see an angel. I need to see an angel. And I'm, I'm expecting to see some, some Gabriel guy at the trumpet. And, uh, the guy I ended up interviewing and him telling me about the importance of, you know, finding God after all of it was Charlie Duke. He's one of four men alive who's walked on the moon. He's telling me the importance of, you know, you can achieve everything you've ever wanted, but once you walk on the moon, you know, there's really nothing else to do and you come back and the only thing better, I think his quote was, the only thing better than walking on the moon was walking with Christ. And it wasn't until months later that it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm looking for some guy with long blonde hair and a trumpet. He's one of four men alive on the planet. Like, came from the heavens. And I was just like, us Charlie Duke, he's an angel. It's a, it's a literal angel. And so, like, the humor and humility, I think there is something very important to that. Like, the lesson will come one way or the other. Do you want the medicine or do you want the sugar? Yeah. And it, and it will come to you. And it's not, to my awareness, what the uh, the Jesus burrito story is, but I guess uh, kind of along those, like, same lines. Is it, is it it's something absurd. So that's yeah, my well story. said, well said, my friend. Thank you. Um, but um, we've been going for about an hour and a half, so I figure we uh we wrap this one up. Hey, sounds great, and it's uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, Robert, as I said, it's great great to see your friend. It's been a while, and it's I was I was really appreciated hearing what you just said about the the mystical experiences because I've a lot of scientists that I've spoken with get very stuck because if they can't measure it under a microscope, it's, yeah. it doesn't exist. Can't be real. That's and, the essence uh, of modern scientism. It is. It is. So it's just lovely to hear somebody of your education. Jill, Jill has a great uh, metaphor for all of this uh, that she uses to reconcile um, spiritual and uh, uh, technical physical. Uh, and it's the, the infinite expanding universe. Okay. There is no proof 
that the infinite expanding universe is in fact infinite and expanding. It's another, uh, you know, commonly held uh, um, storyline that we have been repeatedly told to the point where we accept it as truth, but it can't be demonstrated. It cannot be definitively demonstrated that the universe is infinite and that is will always be expanding. It's infinitely expanding. It is something that has taken on faith. And it is the core of physics. And physics is the core of this uh, discipline that we call science. And so her point is that the whole thing is basically grounded on a belief system. No matter which belief system you choose, you can choose science and scientism as your belief system, or you can say that there are, you can, you can uh, come to terms with there being phenomena that you cannot readily identify because you don't have the um, the knowledge, uh, the detection systems or whatever. Uh, and I resolve it by the observation that um, our brains are such that we don't directly perceive data. We have incoming information, whether we're doing it through a, you know, a, a test of some kind, or we're doing it through our own observation, mm -hmm. um, through our senses, the information comes into our senses, and then we compare it to a model that we have of what is reality in our brain. And uh, this gets back to your comments about hypnosis. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, if the data are inconsistent with our own model of reality, we reject the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so there, by definition, uh, we have a form of willful blindness about the true nature of reality. We cannot directly perceive it. And there's a derivative of this idea that human beings have evolved to only detect those signals that have an adaptive value for us. So um, we, we don't detect things, you know, for instance, be purple, just to take a trivial thing. You know, we don't detect ultraviolet. I don't know why not. Um, but I guess uh, for bees, it's adaptive and, and moths and butterflies, but not for humans. Otherwise, we would have the appropriate uh, receptors in the back of our, our eyeballs. Um, so that's just a trivial example. We are evolved to uh, detect a certain range of information that is adaptive for us historically uh, and uh, to reject that part of the information that's around us in the environment that isn't adaptive because perhaps it would be overwhelming. And I think to your point, Mickey, and I'm absolutely on sync with you uh, about what, what is it that we as a species have to achieve to move to the next level. Um, and it has to be, I believe strongly, that it has to be the ability to tap into these, whatever it is that ties us together as humanity and to uh, exchange and, and reinforce uh, with each other based on that kind of collective knowledge, wisdom, uh, awareness, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think our challenge as a species is to somehow get to the point where we're routinely tapping into that. I don't know how we get there. It's the problem that we face yeah. is how do we how do we move towards 
a new reality that we've never experienced before, something that we have no model for, something we don't have an internal model of this is the way things should be or could be. Um, and we, we're like children. That's pro like pro probably infinite. one of the most um, Im important explorations that you are um, that you are presenting right now. I'll try to give what I in three minutes here because I have to go meet my wife at the bank. She just texted me, reminded me I have to meet her. Um, that might help. This is what's helped me understand exactly what you're exploring right there. The the possibility of this. Do we really invent anything on this planet? Do humans really invent anything? Or do we receive an outpicturing uh, almost in the same way that an architect might have a vision for a building and, and then they, they draw it out and then they make a blueprint and they make a mini model and they build the building? Are these inventions that sometimes are channeled through certain human bodies on the planet, are they an outpicturing to help us understand as a blueprint our system, the human system better. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. It'll make sense in a moment. When we first received our personal computers, they were limited to only what the factory had put on the hard drive. And that's very similar to how a lot of people have been living for the past few generations. Whatever grandpa said, whatever dad said, that's truth. Whatever pastor said, that's truth. Whatever professor said, that's truth. Nothing else exists. And they can't go beyond that because that is what is installed on their hard drive. Then we created this thing called the World Wide Web. And now a little simple computer becomes a supercomputer. You plug it in and it has access to infinite intelligence. I personally believe that we are that we invented that to better understand what, what we are capable of in these bodies, these computers, mm. where we are now being charged with the um, privilege, the honor of learning how to go online so that we literally tap into an intelligence that's far beyond what was given to us on our little hard drive installed in the factory. Oh. We now have the ability to receive infinite information from beyond. That is why I said, I believe this is the thing that will actually save humanity. When we start to receive that information, which I will tell you through various experiences, which I won't get into on this podcast, but I've had a lot of different experiences um, in, in jungles and on mountaintops and all of that, where people are involved in ceremonies. You can, you can guess what that might be, um, where people end up with the same unified experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, they, it, there's no variation really. They all tap into something and realize we are thing. one. Everything is divine. My life unfolded perfectly. Everything's in order. I now know. I remember what I came here to do. This is the very common experience people have when they have some form of a psychedelic experience or a near death experience. And if you if we take all those, all the different modalities that allow humans to go beyond the busy mind and reconnect with the deepest and the highest truth. We always come out with that 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 memory of we are connected. We we are everything is interconnected. Okay, so now you're now you're really hitting. <laughs> um, so uh, I mentioned that I spent some time talking to a couple of people sitting on a decaying concrete bench on the Italian coast, and uh, we talked about many things uh, aligned with what you were just speaking about, and uh, the comment was made. Uh, Robert, what you experienced was the death of the ego, right? And that that is a desirable outcome of those types of experiences. Mm -hmm. You you have to allow your ego to die uh, in order to be open 
to right. receiving that kind of information. Mm. That's profound. One hundred percent true. Let's um one hundred percent true. We'll let Mickey go. We'll 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 excuse me, Dr. Willis go and let me um, I'm gonna explain that to your listeners too who didn't weren't privy to the um pre-conversation before we went live. You don't need I'm, to explain your doctor. I'm, I'm not a doctor. He's a doctor, he's a medical doctor. I don't want he's a new a, false narrative out there. Neurosurgeon from Johns Hopkins. Saying that I'm so, drifting as a doctor. I, I grant you a PhD <laughs> in philosophy. Yeah. He, he operated on me. Now you can call alone. me doctor. Go he for operated it. on me. We were in a cheap motel. I woke up in a this started simply by the humility of Dr. Malone saying, you don't have to call me doctor, call, call me Robert. And I said, you can call me doctor. So that's yeah, how it well, started. No, he is a doctor. I don't, I don't, I, 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 the, the joke is lost on me. You're a doctor. It makes that I don't, I'm not laughing. Okay. Um, so let's yeah. get, let's, you know, the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to Mickey is for his wife to be pissed off at it because he missed the, the appointment. Yeah, we just have this beautiful conversation and Mickey walks out of the sun. He's like, what a loving universe. And his wife's like, <laughs> And it's uh, she's she yeah. drives away with her bags yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Mickey's like never talking to me again. So we'll wrap this up. I could go forever. I love talking to you both. Um, well, I'll, I'll but, jump off. I just want to say thank you both. Yeah, so yeah, much. yeah. This has been yeah. nice sharing space well, guys, with you both. I guys, let's wrap this up. Please go into the description. Please go watch the movie. Please go follow uh, follow Doctor Malone. Please go follow uh, uh, Doctor Willis on Rumble. That link is in there as well. Uh, you can't follow me anywhere. And um, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Um, I don't want anyone to follow. Looking me. forward to Pandemic I just, just want to link. I just want to link up and connect with people. Don't follow me, please. Yeah, I, I just. I just. If you guys want to go, if you guys want to go see a Dr. Willis's practice, you can go follow the drum. Guys, till next awesome. time. Thank you so much, Mickey Willis. Dr. God Robert bless Malone. the both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Guys, thank you for watching. Take care.